Hey everybody, this is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Before we get started, I'm sorry I took a day off for Sunday, the day after Christmas. It was just, it was a lot. Like, it, it just like I'm sure everyone here knows family holidays are a lot. Um, and I do this twice a week and it's just on that very occasion I woke up to record the Sunday edition. I was just like, I can't. So I just like recorded that short message that you heard in the feed, and, um, went back to bed. <laughs> um, but also, thank you for listening to the Matrix Resolution, the, the Matrix Resurrection episode. If you haven't gone to listen to that, go listen to that. The Matrix is kind of an important thing in not just the world of film, but, or, like, entertainment, but also in the world of anime, because it is kind of the... It is the... A very closely linked thing to Ghost in the Shell, like more closely than you would ever freaking imagine. But on that note, um, let's jump into what we're talking about today. And that is a little show from this year that I actually opened up the um, my anime list page for because it's important. Um, called Gambare Doki-chan. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now, the reason I want to talk about this is because it's an interesting blend of things. A, it's a short anime, and the episodes are, like, under a couple minutes apiece. They are... It's B, it's a combination, um, what did they describe it as? I think it was a comedy romance etchy anime. And B, it's made, it's, like, at least in my mind, it's progenitor, like, the thing that generated it is uh, Instagram or Twitter account. 
And that Instagram or Twitter account belongs to a um, a illustrator and um, mangaka named Yom. Or uh, named Yom. And Yom actually is responsible for the source material behind Mirotites from back in 2019. So if you have any idea of what Mirotites is, Mirotites is one of those like etchy fetish anime that come around I don't want to say every so often because they come around more than that but they're not super frequent and they have changed over time so and this gives me an opportunity to talk about those kinds of shows because that is also kind of what Ganbarai Doki-chan is and that kind of show used to look like something like Icon Club, if that makes any sense. There's a f- and they, don't get me wrong, they certainly make stuff like Icon Club to this day. But over time, you know, fetish shows got way more and more and more and more into their own niches. And Mirotites is probably one of the most crystallized examples of this. Mirotites is essentially a show about, like, girls in tights and, like, the girls in stockings. And it's... I've actually never seen it, but it is... There also was a show, the brief-lived show, that was all about, like, girls in stockings glaring at you from above. As you, like, looked up their skirts. Um, and these shows usually don't have much substance. Um, but in, in retrospect, obviously they exist for, for reasons. But the other thing that's really interesting about Mirotites and about Gamera Doku-chan and about, um... Oh, what that what that manga? Um, there's a there's a manga that had a mediocre anime, um, that was all about like dating and was all about the dating stories. And I read, I read most of it. Most of it got translated into English, but it had that same kind of like super etchy, leering vibe to it. That um, oddly enough demands a certain level of quality to it, if that makes any sense. And I'm going to talk about cyberpunk here for a little bit. Um, One of the reasons why cyberpunk was, why cyberpunk 2077 was so disappointing was because niche genres, huge fans of niche genres, of which cyberpunk is one, whether like whether you believe it is or not, it it is not necessarily a super mainstream genre. It is not like Marvel, not yet. Especially cyberpunk in the way that people are really into cyberpunk perceive it. Yes, there are huge movies like The Matrix, like Ghost in the Shell, that um, portray it, but it's not... It's not the romantic comedy of genres. 
if if you catch my drift. And so what that means is everything that you get in that kind of range has more impact to the people watching it because we get much less. That's why something like Cyberpunk 2077 stings so hard is because it was... It, a, it was this thing in a, in a genre that, it, that really is a niche genre, at least I perceive it as being, and it just didn't, it just didn't measure up to the standards. The other reason why it stings so hard is, of course, because it was this huge swing and a miss for, you know, bringing that genre to the masses and tons more people bought it than you would have thought would have bought it. And on the former side of that statement about, you know, niche things meaning more because you get less of them, oftentimes fetish shows hit a little different, for lack of a better phrase, because they pour more production into them because they're only going to get one chance. And if you look at, if you look at mirror tights, like they clearly knew what they were doing. They knew who they were talking to. Like even the poster for it feels like this, like they're focusing on tights specifically. Um, and in Ganbari Doki-chan, they do something similar because it's, it's certainly a romantic comedy and etchy anime, but it's told entirely from the female, per, from the from the main female perspective, and her name is so much so actually that the main character is the only one who gets a proper name. Um, the kind of four characters that play here are, and actually she doesn't really get a proper name, are Doki-chan, who's our main character, um, Senpai-san, who is our, who, who's a side character slash, like, love square, um, rival to a certain extent. And then there is Kohai-chan, who is, like, a ditzy, big-chested, like, not really a threat, but also just kind of, like, the laughable etchy, most etchy character you, you get out of this. And then there's Doki-kun. Now, Doki-kun is the, like, love, it's like the, the object of affection in this show. And it's this, like, office comedy romance thing that takes place kind of imp impressively and infuriatingly well-paced over, like, I think 12 episodes. I think it's the um, overall... Yeah, 12 episodes. And the... The pay... The use of it being a short show... A, means that the thing doesn't spend much time... You don't spend much time at once with it unless you shotgun the whole thing. And B... It doesn't get boring week to it doesn't get boring week to week or even watching a couple in a row because you're not getting that much of these characters. They're not sticking around for long. They're sticking around to tell you the joke 
create the like shape of the thing and then it's gone again for another week. And but the other thing that the show does is it very it's very clearly bringing a storyline all the way through the show. And so like you get a kind of almost initial D effect and I know that's wild to say about this show in particular, but you get a kind of initial D effect of you get just enough to make you want to see the next little clip they've come up with. And in terms of animation, A, they did a wonderful job of um, the studio that did this, which is um, Atelier Pondark Studios did a wonderful job of translating Yom's artwork to animation which if you've ever heard stories about things like JoJo's, you know isn't always easy. But Yom uses a pretty, has a really consistent and focused style that is like cute and vaguely Moe-like, but also very adult. And it translates well to animation. Uh, you can go on to his Twitter or his um Instagram, I follow him both, um, and you can see his comic book pages. They are very, they very much look like this, both this anime and um, mirror types before it. But the uh, no, I shouldn't say but, but I sh I should say, and so the look and feel of this thing is really honed and great and tr you can tell who it's from all the way through the etchy in it is just enough to tell the etchy joke and then it's over the scenarios that doki chan finds herself in are like dumb 20 something scenarios I'm like why the fuck did you do that like she texts the wrong person or like her cat text in uh, one episode where her cat texts Doki, um, her the love interest like a picture of her trying on a maid costume, and the whole thing. The whole thing feels fun and light and goofy and etchy in a way that's not in like an unthreatening way, in a way that I would almost likened to if you've ever seen colorful it, it almost feels like colorful but it's not it's not as dude bro ish and if you've never seen colorful and you're like what the fuck is that go look up colorful sometime you can probably find it to watch somewhere that shit's wild <laughs> um and yes there is still certainly the heavy etchy and heavy like fetishized element to it but it, at its best, this thing feels like um, the parts of Shirobako of of Shirobako, where the main character just hanging out in her apartment, or the main the main female caster just hanging out in their prospective apartment and just living their lives, and it. Because it's because the short animation, because they were only producing 
a few minutes an episode, they're able to pour the kind of like attention attention to D and because of Young's original original designs, they're able to pour this kind of quality into the show that it certainly wouldn't have gotten if it was any other if it was a full length show. And oftentimes one of the benefits of a of an anime being a short anime is you can do more with it. You can you can stretch out the budget and more evenly and it can feel better than it felt than it would have felt if it was say 20 minutes an episode because you're not so a budget for a normal episode could be split up between three or four instead of just one or if you have the same budget per episode that you would normally have for one episode the show will look better. The sh- and this show looks really good. It does a really great job of looking, just looking cute and pretty and like even all the way through. There's really no, it feels like there's no corners cut. And because it's a sh- short anime, it would probably a lot cheaper to produce than you probably imagine, but it's also way, way more like because the short anime and because it's so clearly a, like a fetishized anime, you get this, um, you get this, you get attention to detail in weird ways. Like in Kohai, well, in Kohan Hai Chan's case, they like highlight her chest by doing a, by doing an overshadow, <laughs> lots of times. So you get the idea that like this is a big fucking pillow mound situation. Um, in Doki Chan's case, you've got lots of great like attention detail in her skin tone, hair, tights, obviously. In Senpai San's case, she's just a really good design. She's a really good, like older older woman, motherly character fetishized design. It's like that's a thing that you can fuck up real easy <laughs> if you're not careful. And that's true of all of these characters. But the kind of place where they skimp hilariously is Doki Kun, the male love interest, the supporting male love interest. And that's because it's it's pretty clear he's supposed to be a blank of the like blank slate self insert character type. But they give him just enough like agency at the right points for him to kind of jump out and stand out. And especially in like the last episode where they give him just enough agency for him to feel like his own person. The whole thing comes together and it really 
it shows you this fun, struggling romance between these two characters, who, both of whom clearly are into each other. And at one at one point in the show, they it's like the Doki Kun, the male the the male love interest, just like it's like no, I'm getting us away from these horny assholes because like I want to hear what Doki Chan has to say to me. I'm like, I care about her opinion and whatever she's going to say. I hope it's going to be what I think it's going to be. And then they... And this is the part that's frustrating about these kinds of shows. It's frustrating about um, romantic... Not just romantic... Com- not just actually romantic comedy, but romantic comedies in general. Is At some point, you hit this point where... They are trot. They are engineering the conflict. Like you have to engineer the conflict. It's true, not just in anime, but of most romantic comedies. If they have to engineer this conflict to span for a movie or span for a um, like a series length, and it, if not done right, it can get obnoxious, and if not done in a way that is aware of what it's doing, it can get obnoxious. And the kind of stunning thing about Doki Chan, about Ganbari Doki Chan is, or Ganbari Doki Chan, sorry, I pronounced that wrong, um, is that it, it does it perfectly in a way that is That's the like engineering of the dragging out of the timeline is always a joke and it's always it's always a funny and like very fucked up joke. So a perfect example, spoilers at this point. I think in the like middle and like the late middle, like maybe episode eight, did the scene did that scene where um the with Doki-chan and Doki-kun, like, get away from Kohai and Senpai. And this is going to be real confusing, so, like, I encourage you to watch this show because it makes more sense when you have names to put to those very generic, non-specific nouns. (laughs) Um, And so they get away from them, and the way that Kohai and Senpai find them ultimately is Kohai had dropped her cell phone into Doki-chan's bag and had had Senpai call it in some sort of weird fucked up cabal to keep it two people from fucking who just want to fuck. And it's it's both obnoxious and incredible in the moment because you're just like, oh, motherfucker, god damn it. And it's incredible. And so, the, and combine that with the short run time where they have just enough time to establish the premise, set up conflict, pay off that conflict with some kind of joke or something, and then the show's out. And it... It blends together to be a really fun thing to watch, especially when it's only a couple minutes a week. 
or I'm not sure how long the episodes are exactly. Um, let me see if I can find it here. But it's these um these these episodes are short enough where they can survive the kind of um the kind of like they're um they're five to ten minutes per episode. So they're roughly a quarter to half the length of a normal twenty minute episode. And like five to ten minutes is way less time than say um a than say like a normal than say like a normal episode. So this this show's total runtime is about half the time of a normal 12, 12 episode show. And so it it lets them take more risks and it lets them make more jokes that might not land in the moment because it, even if you even if you are binging this after it's come out, the jokes go like that constantly because it's like I said, like I keep saying, enough time to set up the joke and then get immediately out. But the thing that that grabs you every time is the um it's a is the is the atmospheric craft. And the thing the other thing that it does is this this show does something that is hard to pull off and it pulls it off really well. The first episode is done very media res. It's done in very media res because you're introduced to only two of the characters. The other two characters are introduced over time. And you're introduced to Doki-chan and Doki-kun immediately. And once, once you see them... Um, and there's other, there's other characters too. Um, the like main characters are the four I mentioned. Actually, there's not really any other characters. There's like ancillary side designs that you see in the background, but that, they're really it. Um, and they're introduced to Doki-chan and Doki-kun, and they are kind of stranded travel-wise at a business hotel from a business trip. So they're stuck in this hotel. And this is a very automatically... Uh, this is a very automatic... Kind of intimate scenario. Where... You get... You get really quickly... The Doki-chan... Is... Into this guy. <laughs> it's very clear. Immediately. And that lets them... Have the kind of etchy... Sweet romantic... Um, episode about like two coworkers, two opposite sex coworkers having to share a single bed hotel room, and it it does this build up and then it hits the punchline and then it's done, and it does kind of all the things you'd expect it to do if you're familiar with this kind of show. It's a decent first episode. 
that that sets up the oblivionness of the main feet of the main male character and the kind of like passive aggressive attempt at starting something of Doki Chan herself. And that kind of rolls you into the rest of the series. And it uh, the rest of the show. And like I said, the five to ten minute format means that like if you don't like especially now that it's all out, if you don't like a new, one of the jokes, they're gonna tell they're gonna tell twelve they're gonna tell twelve little mini vignettes. If you don't like one of them, they happen fast enough where you just kind of like you move on. It just you move on immediately. And that combined with the very non-specific but true to life feeling atmosphere of this kind of office worker Japan, it kind of the best thing that one of the better things that this show does is it takes a very office like approach to the surrounding environment. It takes up, um, actually a show that also did this really well is, um, that, uh, Wodakoi, um, that otaku romance show, and I actually talked about that a while back. Um, in that, the thing that Wodakoi does really well is, um, and shows struggle with this, believe it or not, is it creates a generic office environment. That's just specific enough where you just don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about what the two character jobs are in Wodakoi. Like, you just don't... It's not a thing you care about. Because it's created to be just specific enough where it fills in the gaps that your brain would look for, but nothing else, and it leaves you to focus on the characters. Um... And the reason why I reference The Office is because The Office, like, clearly needed a stand-in for, like, a company that no one, no, like, like no real work is effectively being actually done that means anything. And they came up with the idea of a paper company and then just let the thing freaking go. Like, let, let that be the background of the canvas for the show to happen on top of. And Gambari Doki-chan does just that. It, I forget even what the company's called. It's like something so generic you don't remember it. But when you see it, you're like, oh, of course. Like, they, they work there. That's fine. Moving on. And you'd never quite know what this company does. <laughs> In a way... That is almost humorous, but not quite humorous. Um, so something I will, um, something I will just kind of bring up here because I find it interesting in the context of the way they present a company in something like Wodakoi or the way they present a company in something like Doki Chan, where you're not supposed to care about what they do and what they do is, ne is never really nailed down, but there's clearly like clients and you know they're clearly office workers in the whole nine is something like um black lagoon 
So if you look at Black Lagoon, if you look at Rock's job before he became part of the Black Lagoon like crew, at the beginning, you're not sure what he does, but when you start to... The more pieces you get to what he did, the more you realize he worked for, like, a Japanese arms company. <laughs> because, and I, this is easy to miss, so spoilers for Black Lagoon, and then we'll get back to Doki-chan after I'm done with this. Um, the reason why Rock is abducted by Revy and, um, by Revy, Benny, and Dutch it's because he has a CD that um, I think I think Mr. Chen is interested in is interested in like getting, and that CD has long has missile defense software on it, and you're led to believe that quietly that whole company is working on that kind of shit. And just nobody knows enough to put it together except for the head of the company who, like, is very absent from that office environment. <laughs> and it's this, like, plausible deniability of, like, oh, we're a software firm, but we're very... You start to realize, like, oh, we're very clearly making military application software, and it's not great. It's not a great look. We're, we're like... We're quietly making death CD-ROMs, and it sucks. And that, but they keep the edges just blurry enough around that thing for you to have to put it together yourself. And for, the show does not really care about it. It just needs it there for um, for story purposes. But if you look at it with all the pieces of that puzzle, you realize, like, oh! That company's doing shady shit with American we weapon systems. That's their whole thing. And in something like Wodakoi, or subsequently, Gombari Doki-chan, it, it's that same effect. It's, it's that same effect, except they're not giving you clues about what the fuck's happening at Doki Chan's office. Because, and this is a thing that lots of anime gets right because not just Japanese corporate culture, but corporate culture all over the world, with the exception, interestingly enough, of America, tends to do this. It distances the job a person has from the actual person. So in America, when you're a middle manager, that is really closely tied to your status to, to like a bunch of things about you. But in other countries around the world, and really especially in Japan, like a job is a job because you're not, it's not tied to all the other, other about, super valuable things. Especially like, um, health insurance. So, in, say, Great Britain and Japan are both really important um, examples of this, actually. 
your job is not tied to your health insurance because you just get health insurance for being alive in that country. Um, there's similar things in other countries like France and Germany, but they're not exactly the same. In in the United Kingdom, if you are alive, they will treat you and they will not charge you for it. It's a very specific, important thing. Same kind of thing in Japan, except in Japan, you have two tracks. You have like the public... Everyone gets health insurance track, and then you have a private insurance company scenario for people who are wealthy who can afford it. Um, because <laughs> capitalism gonna get you somehow, especially in Japan. Ooh, you can live in a closet in that country, and it's legal. Um, I'm not kidding. Actually, I'm really not kidding. But um, to that end, especially because. Japan is an insanely chauvinistic country. What you do is not super important. Um, especially for female employees. And lots of female employees are given less demanding jobs because in Japan it's assumed that you are going to make a choice and you're either going to be career oriented and you're going to have a career or you're going to be family-oriented, and you're going to drop out of the workforce, and you're going to spend your life raising your child. So, and this is so true, in fact, um, that one of the prime ministers of Japan attempted to, like, take off for six months so he could help his wife raise their child, and he had to do it in, like, two, three-month chunks because the rest of the Japanese government went the fuck after him. Just to give you an idea of how, like, ass-backwards some of the stuff in Japan is. And so, like, does it matter what Doki-chan does? Not really. And so they are free to tell this, like, funny little romance, back and forth romance, will they or won't they romance story, kind of regardless of what they do. And if you look at, um, actually, and Wodakoi is a great thing to hold up next to this, because this is, this, this and Wodakoi share a lot of, like, office romance similarities. Um... If you look at this and Wodakoi, in Wodakoi, it doesn't super matter what either of them are do what the, either of the main characters in Wodakoi are doing either. What matters is the like fun otaku romance angle. And what matters in, but what matters in this and what is true of work in general is oftentimes you tend to you tend to develop feelings towards, positive or negative, you tend to develop feelings and relationships with the people you work with because you are in the same confine. And this isn't about, like, necessarily romantic feelings, but in the case of Lost of Anime, it is about that. Um, if you work with somebody... You tend to 
have some kind of relationship with them. Because what the fuck are you going to talk about otherwise? And when you work a really mundane kind of office job, where it does not require the maximum of your the maximum amount of your brain capacity, there's way more opportunity for that. That's why oftentimes people work together. Oftentimes go out with each other get married, date, all that shit. Now, yes, you can certainly meet a girl on online or in a bar, but it's lots of time pretty common for you to, like, develop feelings for somebody you work with because you... And this show does a good job of demonstrating this. You tend to... Especially with the character of Senpai, then. Um, you tend to... Kind of get closed off from lots of other groups of people because of the way work works. And that has changed because, hilariously, of the pandemic. Um, you see one set of people every day. And yes, you may meet new clients or new people may come in and out of your orbit... But you see the same people every day. Um, this is kind of broken up with the character of Senpai-san in this. Because Senpai-san is Doki-kun's, like, senior from school. She's like... She's a college friend character. Is kind of what it's put to you as. And so... She's someone Doki, the male love interest, knew and she came back into his life as a client of whatever random company they're working for. It, it, seriously, it does not fucking matter. And so... They give... They, the show has to use kind of corporate... Japanese corporate culture to give her a reason to be around it all. And also, it uses Japanese, like, age hierarchy to force Doki-kun and subsequently Doki-chan into a drinking party with her. And also, she invites um, Kohai-chan. And so, the show is actually kind of masterful at using kind of a vague corporate structure, a vague corporate and society structure of Japanese life to force the conflict. And then, you know, because it is a show that it has a um, made uh, cosplay idol performance at the end, at the grand finale, because of course it did. <laughs> um, but I just, this was like a weird, interesting thing that exists in anime culture that I thought was really well done. So I wanted to do an episode about it. So I, um, if you haven't checked out Doki-chan, it's available right now on Crunchyroll. Um, and seriously, it's, it's literally half the episode length of a normal episode of anime. So you're not, like, the first episode is not that big of a time commitment. And on that note, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. If you like this episode, 
New episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Generally, I took last Sunday off. Sorry. Um, the Thursday episodes are, are, th are like this. They are about a show or a series or a, you know, or a film sometimes. Um, and the Sunday episodes are more metatextual. I call them Sunday editions. But um, they're more metatextual. They're about the industry, fandom, intersections of that, all that stuff. So um, you can subscribe in whatever app you're using to listen to me right now. And um, I will talk at you on Sunday.